And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, you know, keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. The presenting sponsor for today's episode of 1% Better is Visa, a network working for everyone. And with that, I want to welcome you to the next episode of 1% Better. I am Stephen Holder with Zach Kiefer, and we have a lot to talk about with these old Indianapolis Colts. So they're 0-2. I don't think that was necessarily an outcome that anyone thought would be stunning. We saw the schedule. We knew what it looked like. And we knew what the challenges were. It's not about the record. I guess it's more about how they got here. And they got a lot of problems. They got a defense that can't stop people. They got an offensive line that can't block anybody. They got a hurt quarterback. They got, <laughs> I, I think the list is longer, but you get the point. And so... Here we are, and I don't know. There's just – I'm getting a lot of bad vibes. Fans got a lot of bad vibes. I got bad vibes. I don't like what I'm seeing right now, and I don't know. So, Zach, let's start really broadly, like big picture. I would say – and I know this is going to make people laugh. I would say this is actually a much better performance than week one. <laughs> but but it is but, it was you're it right it was it literally was and i think the opponent might have been even better but here's the here's the problem the concerns are the same offensive line defensive line slash entire defense <laughs> too many big plays uh, i think there's those two things there you can't lose a line of scrimmage and and beat good teams and that's not the way this team was built but um, but let's start with, I think, Carson Wentz, because look, at this point, nothing matters more. I think if Carson Wentz is on the field for that last drive, they got a shot. Yeah, they have a I, shot. I, I think they probably win, to be honest. You know, he was he was in a groove and he was making things happen. But I think this is, as some of my Philly friends have been telling me on Twitter, and they're right, this is the Carson Wentz experience. Right, they they weren't wrong about that part. Now I don't know why they hate the guy, but they weren't wrong about it's all over the place. Right? It's <laughs> it's wow, that was a great play. Wow, he's hurt again. Oh my god, now what? <laughs> so Zach, he's hurt again. Oh my god, now what? <laughs> Go, <laughs> man. It'd be nice if they just had a normal season around here one time. Yeah. But, um, here we are. I just watched the tape, and I got a couple things I want to hit on. But let me start here. What is most surprising to you? That the defense has no identity right now? I feel like I don't even know what the defense is. They don't have an identity. They're so schizophrenic. And I just watched the tape and I saw some really good drives where they're getting in the backfield and forcing three and outs. Mm -hmm. And I saw drives that I didn't even recognize that team because they just let Stafford march 70 yards in four plays. And Cooper Cup has no one within five yards of him. So there's the defense. But I'll probably go here. The offensive line has just been dominated up front two games in a row. And I know they're dealing with the injuries, and I know, and I added up the pressures. 17 pressures this week, 18 pressures last week. That's 35. Carson's been hit 21 times and sacked three, excuse me, sacked six. And that's taken into account the fact that he's avoided probably a dozen. Um, I'm really surprised the quarterback's hurt, Zach, (laughs) when you put it that way. Now, this is to put a bow on it. Didn't yesterday feel like an Andrew Luck game where there were so many changes and so many big moments in the game? And then you're also taking a quarterback into account that's getting hit every other play and that might not get up from one of them. And then in the end, Aaron Donald got him. And that was a nasty ankle turn. We'll see the severity of it when we get word on the scans at some point today. But one, I came away thinking Carson Wentz is tough. He's a tough dude. And Quentin Nelson and Ryan Kelly echoed that thought afterward. But if he's out for an extended period of time, if he's out for two to three weeks, I don't like the Colts' chances. And it's not just based on who they're playing. It's based on how they're playing right now. And I don't think Jacob Eason 
is ready yet to get them wins. Okay, let's get let's get something straight right off the top, and I think you teed this up perfectly. Carson Wentz is the reason they had a chance to win that game yesterday. He is the singular reason they had a chance to win that game. I I don't care if you disagree. That's what that's the way I saw it. I've seen a lot of football, and that's just the way I saw it. I think there were times in that game where that team was lifeless, especially with the the red zone failures, which we'll get to. But that took that takes wind out of your sails. You know how that goes. And and then the defense might give up a long drive, and you know just the emotional swings there. They just they weren't responding very well a lot of times. But one guy responded. There were times in that game where he was the one guy you could count on to respond. It was Carson Wentz. And there were a couple third downs where he just said, you know what? I don't trust these guys. I'm going to do this myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, we've seen off. this movie before. Yeah. We've seen this before, and Colts fans have watched this before. It's what we watched in 13 and 14 and 15 and 16. He's probably going to get a postcard from Andrew Luck today <laughs> being like, hey, buddy, I've been there. But <laughs> hope all is well, Andrew. <laughs> and it's from like some European European city no one's ever heard of. Right, right. What is the capital of Luxembourg? I don't know. So I, I think I think that's the that's the blessing and the curse here is that the Colts have said all off season we think we got the right quarterback. And there were times yesterday where I was like, Frank Reich was right. He was right. This guy is a playmaker. And I knew that. It wasn't a surprise. He's done it before. I didn't think there was any I didn't think the guy like lost his talent. He just needed to kind of find his way, right? And and I think Frank Reich was the guy to do that. They had more big plays yesterday than I've seen in a long time, you know, in terms of really stretching the field and and keeping the defense on their heels. They had, I believe, five plays over 20 yards. You know, we're talking about like a 42-yarder, a 34-yarder, and, you know, we're talking about long plays. And then Carson moving the sticks with his legs. So, I mean, there was some dynamic play there, and all of it traced back to Carson Wentz and him making those plays happen either via his arm or his legs. And yet, he is the reason... They didn't have a chance to win the game because he was out for that last drive. And there's just really – you're not going to put the ball in the hands of a second-year guy taking his first snap against that defense and expect him to go down the field. I mean, come on. Like, let's be real. So it really was, as I said, and I give you Philly fans credit for that part. You guys got to chill, but you are right about <laughs> the Carson Wentz experience. There's, it is definitely – it definitely uh, gives you something to talk about. There's no question about that. Um I'm with you. Uh, he, if he's out for an extended period, this is going to get ugly. And and let's talk about you and I talked about this after the press conferences yesterday. I didn't get a good vibe from Carson. What no. would you take away from when he talked to us? Because I, and I give him credit. I didn't know that he would talk. Right, he did. Uh, what'd you um, take away from that? First of all, I would I would going back out to your point a second ago. I would love to see what Carson Wentz can do in this offense. If yes. you give him a freaking chance and we haven't seen it yet. It's two games in didn't think he was going to talk yesterday. I was impressed that he did. He walked very gingerly up to the podium, very no ankle wrap, no ice, no boot. That was coming. I'm sure overnight he was going to get scanned. Um, but look, and, 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 you know, I got a lot of the Twitter feedback that said, you know, he should have been out there. Look, I, I really believe this guy would have been out there if he could have been out there. I think he, he tried everything good. I watched every second of what happened after the play. With Donald, he went to the sideline. He was very, very angry. Um, he threw his helmet. He screamed. He talked to the trainers. He had it retaped. He got back up. His his drop, his five step drop, whatever you want to call it, was more like a hobble. He was trying to throw yeah. it. Um, look, 100% Jacob Eason is going to be better than a 20% Carson Wentz. I think there's a line between could he move and could he play in an NFL game and. Um, I think Carson would have done anything he could to be out there. And I had a long conversation with Naheem Hines after the game. And he said, look, he's the toughest dude in the field. He's proven that two games in with us. So the players have seen it in him. The shame of it is is that could have been a signature moment for Carson Wentz. That could have been a signature moment to start the second chapter of his career. Going against last year's number one defense, the best freaking football player on the planet who played like it yesterday, getting the ass his ass kicked all day by that defensive line, and still finding a way to will the Colts back. That was Andrew Luck's stuff. That was what we watched back in those days. And the shame of it 
is that a game that good ended that bad and a quarterback who played his tail off in Carson Wentz didn't get a chance to even drive down the field and, and, and lead his team to a field goal or a touchdown to win the game. So that's the shame of it. This kid, is he's got something. I want to see him given an opportunity. And I think Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson want to see that too. I mean, we had one of the better interviews we've ever had with Quentin Nelson yesterday. Yeah. This is a three-time All-Pro saying, look, he's getting hit too much. He's never complained. He's the toughest guy out there, and we need to do a better job. And this is what is most telling to me. And we'll get into the play calling in a minute. Kelly and Nelson both said this is not a scheme thing. This is not a Frank Wright play call thing. This is us not winning up front. And I didn't love the play calls either. And we can get into that. But when you're two all, when you're two Pro Bowl interior linemen are just saying straight up, we got beat. I mean, Quentin said, look, it's just 11 on 11. It's just football. You got to beat the man in front of you. And they routinely did not do that in those goal line situations. That's the shame of it because I didn't think that was going to be the issue going into the season. I knew Quentin was coming off the injury. I know Kelly missed a lot of camp as well. But when I thought about the things that worried me, it was not the middle of the offensive line. And Glowinski's not absolved from blame either. He was not good yesterday either. So mm-hmm. that's the biggest disappointment for me. And the shame of it is it's going to cost Carson, you know, we'll see what happens with the ankle. But no, I did not have a good vibe talking to him yesterday after the game either. Yeah. Same here. So. I think you're absolutely right. I want to circle back to what you just said in recounting Quentin Nelson's comments. That is probably the single most introspective moment I've ever had with Carson, excuse me, with Quentin Nelson, excuse me. I have never seen him like that. Like, you know, he had his mask on, so I couldn't tell what his expressions were, but he sounded like borderline emotional. Like, almost. You know he said I mean? it was sad. It was sad to him to watch Carson have to get up after that Donald play. I mean, mm-hmm. as an offensive lineman, don't you feel the guilt after that? And it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Nelson that got beat, but that dude's getting his ass kicked back it's there. It's cumulative. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think that wears on them. Yeah, and and it was, I'm telling you, it was, it was really, really interesting to hear Quentin talk like that. And and again, you know, obviously, I I know that everybody. In football, you know, generally the the emphasis is on taking responsibility for yourself. So, of course, they're going to say it's our fault. But I don't think that was, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't think that was just lip service also. I think there's something to be said for that. I mean, your quarterback has been abused two weeks in a row. That ain't the coach's fault at some level. Like, at some level, damn it, man up. That's what this is. They have poured more more money into this offensive line than any other unit on this team. Okay, and and, and by the way, it's not even close. It's not even yeah. close, and they haven't even paid the big guy yet, Quentin. Okay, right. So they are on their way to having literally the most expensive offensive line in the entire freaking NFL. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Line up. And block somebody and get a freaking yard in the goal line. Uh, that's it. I don't care. I do not care what the play call is. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Aaron, Aaron Donald is really good, but he lived in the backfield yesterday. He One lived. yard, Zach. One he yard. Lived. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, imagine there were some remotes thrown yesterday from the fans watching at home. Some expletives. I imagine it was rough because we were just dumbfounded in the press baffled. box. We were. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely baffled. And they had Eric Fisher back, who who I thought played pretty serviceable. I mean, I didn't notice him at times through you know many times throughout that game, which is a good thing. And when I did watch him, yeah, yeah, okay, that's totally acceptable. I feel like you know for a guy in his situation. So, look. By the way, can we just pause here and just say, okay, Aaron Donald, my God, oh my God, (laughs) he's. He's so good. <laughs> How about Quentin's quote yesterday? Quentin said, it's an honor it. to have played against the best player in the league. It's unbelievable. He is. I mean, He's the best player in football. And he, he didn't he didn't even, like, skip a beat in saying it. He didn't have to think about it, you know. And you know, I saw on the goal line there, looking at the, the TV copy just now of the game, there was a play on that goal line – Stand. I think it was the third down, if I'm not mistaken, where Quentin and Aaron Donald get matched up, and Quentin takes him down. Quentin like 
takes him all the way to the ground, drives him into the ground, and uh, and he helps him up. And and there was that kind of respect between those guys yesterday. I really think how many times has that happened to Aaron Donald in a season? Right, right. First of all, that's that's the first thing, and then he helps him up, like. You know, like, dude, I want to kill you, but like, I respect you so much. I'm going to help you up. Like, that's, and we're talking about Quentin Nelson. He has no love lost for anybody, right? I mean, he's not, he's not out there to be anybody's friend. Okay, he once screamed at Andrew Luck for saying "good tackle" to an opponent. He screamed <laughs> at Andrew for saying that. This is hilarious. <laughs> so I just think. I know that has nothing to do with whether the Colts win or lose next week, but I, I just think as a fan of football, if you love this game, like if you don't appreciate what you saw yesterday between those two people, those two guys, then I don't know what the hell you're looking at. I mean, that is that is football in its purest form. Two huge, spectacular athletes going after each other. I mean, that's a heavyweight fight right there. So, I mean, I just appreciated that, and I, I just thought it was worthy of – doubling down on because that was just spectacular stuff and and quentin won his share now okay quentin won his share but i had one pressure allowed for quentin and it was on a solo matchup against donald which mm-hmm. isn't isn't a bad isn't a bad loss to take considering he played a lot of snaps and quentin's probably going to be dealing with this back injury for most of the season we'll see right. but um he was he was tremendous yesterday and he was tremendous in week one considering he's had very little practice now the rest of the line yeah. Including Ryan Kelly and Glowinski. I mean, they're abysmal. And I haven't even gotten to Davenport yet. <laughs> so now here's the thing, you know, this this offensive line has been struggling with a mobile quarterback in the lineup. Now, if they go to Jacob Eason, while he's not a statue like Phillip Rivers, he is not the athlete that Carson Wentz is. So that creates other issues too. You know, and that's that's something they're going to have to contend with. You know, that now if you're if if Jacob Eason has to play now, if you're Frank Reich, you have to take his, you know, I guess, mobility into consideration in the play calling, because it certainly gets built into the play calling with Carson Wentz. Right. And, you know, that's a big part of how they call plays and, and knowing what they can and can't do. Well, the same applies when the guy doesn't have that kind of athletic ability. Again, not a statue, okay, in Jacob Eason, but let's let's be completely honest. He is not the level of athlete that Carson Wentz is. So it's a it's a game changer if he's not out there. Uh, I want to ask your opinion on this, and I'll give mine as well. So we talked throughout the offseason, and I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here because we don't know if Carson Wentz is going to miss time. But this is absolutely relevant and topical right now. Throughout the offseason, they made this acquisition. We liked it. We agreed this was the way to go. But we also, I think, were pretty honest about the fact that Carson Wentz has missed a lot of time. There's no question. All right? He's had his share of injuries. No one would deny that, including Carson or the Colts. And yet, they did not go get a veteran backup quarterback. Was that a miscalculation? And do you think that will come back to to haunt them? Excuse me. Yeah, I, I do think it was a miscalculation, and I do think it will hurt them because I just don't think Jacob Eason is is gonna is gonna get them where they need to be in this meantime. I just I just I I didn't see it during training camp, and I didn't see it Sunday. Now I was an, almost an impossible situation for a young quarterback to walk into, but I think the calculation was: look, we're gonna get Eric Fisher back, and I think early October. Now he was back two weeks ahead of that, mm-hmm. which is great, and and that's awesome for Eric Fisher, but. This goes back to the game in Pittsburgh last year when Braden Smith was out and Anthony Costanza was out and, and Chris Ballard was literally up in the press box killing himself because he didn't have viable tackles to protect Phillip Rivers in that 24-3 to lead. That's a game that would have helped them win the division and host a playoff game and who knows what would have happened after that. So Ballard's killing himself for that. So what does he do in the offseason? He's really quiet in free agency. He re-signs T.Y. He had traded for Wentz. He signs Sam Tevy. He was horrendous in training camp, and he signs Julian Davenport, thinking that if he brought in some veteran tackles, they would be okay behind Eric Fisher and behind Braden Smith. Here you are. Braden Smith's out in week two. We don't really know the specific foot injury that he has. They haven't put him on IR. They haven't talked about IR, but every game that Braden Smith is out puts your line and therefore your quarterback in a really tough spot. 
And that's what I don't like. That's what I didn't like that they didn't fix in the offseason. I'm okay with you not reaching in the first round on a guy you don't love at tackle. Darisaw was in the conversation. They loved Quiddy Pay. I'm good with all that. But you're bringing in a quarterback who likes to run, who likes to push the envelope, who likes to take risks. You love that because he can get you third downs when it's third and nine and there's nowhere to go, right? It's the give and take that Frank talked about yesterday. So you're going to get the good. The bad is you got to take the injury risk. And this team has been here before with a quarterback who likes to run. And the fact that you're not protecting him on the edge and in the middle too, which is the surprising part, that is fraught with risk. And they're paying that cost this morning, depending on how Carson's ankle turns out. But you saw the replay. I mean, that ankle was turned in a way that it should never turn. And it was a completely clean play from Donald. And he just beat Glowinski one-on-one, which is going to happen. But the fact that you have to turn to Jacob Eason right now, that that's a miscalculation. Because I don't think Eason's ready, and I think the fans are going to see that. You have a huge game Sunday. I don't need to tell the fans out there how big the AFC South games are. You know what happened last yep. year. Same record as the Titans. You lose the tiebreaker because you lost that stupid season opener in Jacksonville to a team that went on to lose 15 straight after that. So I just can't see Jacob Eason going into Tennessee and winning. Now, if he does, that's a great story. But that's the dangerous risk you took. And if you're going to bring in a mobile quarterback, you need to make sure he's going to be protected. And they just haven't done that with their depth at the offensive tackle spot. And after last year in Pittsburgh, there's no excuse for that in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you in that. I, I thought not drafting a tackle in the first round was – I think we're getting that feedback a lot now. I think it's trendy to say that. I have a problem with that take because – and you 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 said it too, right? I, I mean, I think they had questions about all those tackles. Some of those guys are not even playing right now because they're hurt. So, like, you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But really, I think that's a reach to say that. And – now, granted, Quiddy Pay hasn't really affected things yet, and that's going to have to change here pretty soon. But that being said, I I don't think you could argue that they had as much of an issue at pass rush as they did at offensive tackle, right? That has borne itself out too. So, so Quiddy Pay is a fine pick, I think, in retrospect. So far, we'll see what he turns out to be. But I don't have a problem with that. But I agree with you. Yeah, the the depth there wasn't good. The guys they did sign to provide depth are not doing that. <laughs> so I give them credit for like making some attempt. They made more attempt than they have in, in the past, right? They didn't just find guys on the bottom of their roster in the practice squad and bring them up and say, all right, guys, go get them. They actually did go out and sign guys. They just haven't gotten anything to show for it. I mean, those guys are just not very good. Sam Tevy's on IR, obviously, but even when he was playing, I mean, you saw it, right? The preseason, hell, he, he couldn't protect in, in practice. No, he wasn't, wasn't going to play. Like, Davenport no. was ahead of him. Right. And, and Will Davenport's Holden's not terrible. even on the team anymore. And Matt Pryor, they brought him yesterday. And I, I don't know. I had two pressures, and he probably played nine snaps. <laughs> is that a good ratio? I don't know. <laughs> so, it's listen, this is this is what happens, though, when when the team starts like this. Everybody gets put under the microscope from, from the corner office down to the last guy in the locker room, right? And you know who's in the corner office. It's Chris Ballard, right? And so that's just how it works. And that's totally fine. That's totally fair. You know, people like to suggest that Ballard has this never-ending honeymoon. Well, he's had he has had a little bit of a honeymoon because of the luck retirement. And certainly they, they have made the playoffs. They have been a relevant team. So it's not as though they've been this losing team for – for four years at the same time when when you have a stretch like this you know you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt and that's what's happening right now the quarterback issue though which is how we started this little topic here the quarterback issue I think that is one where I thought they were exposed and now here it is now they're on front street you can't can make hide. a really strong case that they should have re-signed Jacoby Brissett did Jacoby want to come back is probably a question uh, but I, but I think we both know there did not seem to be much interest on either side, really, even on the cold side. I mean, I don't know if they offered. You know, they love Jacoby. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's get into the drive that went down to the one. Yes. And they got no points. And let's get into the drive that went down to the three. And they threw a <laughs> shovel pass that was intercepted. And on the broadcast, Jonathan Vilma was calling the game for Fox. He just said, oh, my God. That's what he said. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of you out there said the same thing. We probably said the same thing in the press box. Never seen that before. Um, did you hate the play calls on the first drive? Because here's the thing about Frank Reich, and, and I was thinking this as I watched the tape. He came out with a great offensive game plan that was scripted so well the first drive. Yep. I love the quick throws to went from Wentz. They got Pittman involved. They won over the middle. The receivers were winning their matchups in the secondary. Taylor was going. That was great. And then they get down there. And this has happened time and again in the Frank Reich era. They just struggle to punch it in, whether it's from the four, the three, the one. I don't know if there's a common thread. But the, I mean, we talked about it. The fact that they couldn't run behind 56 and 78 is a problem. That's not on Frank Reich. However, they need to do something different in the red zone because that was an abomination yesterday. There, there has been a history of this. There's, that is true. I think we can go back to Jacksonville in 2018, if you recall, right? Where they, they lose six nothing. And I believe they had three. Failures inside the, I don't know if it was inside the 20 or inside the 10. I can't recall. I, I tried to just, you know, forget that game, flush it from my memory. But the point is they had some epic failures in that game too, right? And I do think that that it's something we have to take a longer look at. And, and I don't remember all the particulars from last year. I don't remember their percentages, but they weren't good enough. They definitely weren't good enough in the red zone. Yesterday in particular, here's where I have an issue. So... On the first play, or in the first series, down to the to the one-yard line, on that sequence, here's my issue. I think on there, I would like to see a, a pass replace one of those first three runs. In other words, don't wait till fourth down to throw it. Because I think the defense is probably kind of looking for the pass on fourth down. Because they know it's a one-shot deal. You know right. what I mean? And Frank... Frank was kind of hinting that they were thinking the opposite. He was thinking since they hurry up on fourth and one, yeah. the defense is probably thinking they're just going to try and either sneak it or run it with Taylor right up the middle. He was thinking they might catch them off guard with the pass. Nope, you forgot to block Leonard Floyd, and he sacked Carson Wentz for a nine-yard loss. Yeah, and I get what he's saying. He's he's right about that because generally we've all seen that, right, on a 
fourth and short situation, the offense runs up to the line and tries to just overpower the defensive front. That does happen a lot. And and that is generally what I'd be thinking if I was on defense. Okay, they're going to run up here and try to try to slam this down our throat. Number one, I don't think they snapped it nearly as quick as they should have if they were trying to really play that out. <laughs> That's the first thing. Secondly, the Rams just did a really good job of, of not overcommitting. To their credit, like they did a great job. Uh, but again, I would like to have seen a pass mixed in between first and third down. I don't care what down necessarily, but you know, maybe it's third down. After you get stood up twice in a row on first and second down, well, throw it on third down. You can always still go for it on fourth, and at least there you have some element of, of surprise because now you've already th- tossed a, a pass into the equation. I don't know. I- I'm overthinking it too now, but my point is, I just think you were getting the exact same result on those runs. I would like to have seen them try something else. Now, Here's, yeah, I'm with you. And, and, and is this a fair question to ask? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pretend you're the offensive coordinator. Oh boy, they're in trouble. You've, you've got you've got Jack Doyle, who's who's not the fastest guy in the world, but he's he's got great hands. He's probably got three drops in his career, and and he's been a great red zone target before the Frank Reich era, but not really in the Frank Reich era. You got Mo Ali Cox, who's a basketball center, who's 6'6", with the biggest hands you've ever seen. And you got Pittman and you got Strawn. So I feel like mm-hmm. the size that they have at receiver, they've really made an effort to go get the last couple of years. Pittman and Strawn are perfect examples. I haven't seen those guys used. And I'm not a fan of the goal line fade. I hate it. But I wouldn't have hated it yesterday, maybe on second and one, from, you know, second and goal from the one. I feel like... I don't see that very often with this team. And I understand that you've got Kelly and Nelson. I understand Jonathan Taylor is a monster. But like you said, maybe on second down, you try to do something different. Because the few touchdowns they have scored this season have been passes to Zach Pascal in the back of the end zone. So, I don't know. I would maybe maybe throw one of those in. No, I, I actually days. love that. I, you know what? I think the fade... I, I get why some people don't like it, and it is sometimes a low percentage play. It, it's at best like a 50-50 play, right? I get that. Depends on who the receiver but is. But that's what I was going to say, right? They have guys who give you a better percentage at it, I think, give that you a better shot. Michael Pittman out of, coming out of USC. That's what the chat, you know, that's what the scout said. He wins every jump ball. I never saw him lose a jump ball right. in practice. Okay. Well, we haven't seen him get the opportunity as a Colt. I mean, that's the, the highlights that you saw of – Mike Strong from training camp, and I'm not suggesting this guy is Terrell Owens. I'm just saying what the one thing I know he can do is go up and get a football, right? I don't know if he knows how to run all the routes in a refined manner and all that. He's still learning, but the guy can go up and get a 50-50 ball. Give him a chance. You know, there was on the other end, in the second goal line sequence, there was a play, I think maybe second down, where I saw Mike Strong lined up to the left of the offense uh, out there one-on-one. And I was like, huh, this might be a fade. Nope, <laughs> it wasn't a fade. <laughs> and so I just, I think there were some opportunities there to to throw in just some, you know, just some diversity uh, on those those play calls. Again, if they ran it two out of three times, I'm, I'm probably okay with that. Three out of three, I'd like to see a pass in there. I'd just like give the defense something to think about. But again, I don't know how they just don't win. You're talking about one yard, three chances at one yard. I can't get over that. That just uh, that would just drive me utterly freaking crazy if I was the coaching staff. But and now, so let's just talk real quickly. The fourth down play at the goal line. You know, we talked about them running up to the line of scrimmage. The one thing that I didn't address was they had the two tight ends out there. I believe it's Granson and Doyle, if I'm not mistaken, I believe. There might have been a third. But I believe there, there were three tight ends in the game. I think the two targets were Granson and, and Doyle, if, if I'm not mistaken. And they covered them both up. I mean, he had nowhere to go with the ball. And that's the problem with that play is that, I mean, you get one shot at it and you've got a free rusher coming. You know, Carson did the only thing he could do. I, I imagine he probably would have done better throwing it away and then you pin them at the one-yard line. But, you know, it happens fast, man. And, and I think we're going to hear this a lot as we talk to the players and then Frank later today is like, yeah, the scheme wasn't great, but like the Rams made plays. They It's the same thing the Seahawks did. They just played better than the Colts. And it goes back to what Ryan Kelly was saying. It's like, I don't care what Frank calls. The fact that three blue jerseys are, you know, three Rams jerseys are in our backfield 
you know, on the one yard line in consecutive plays, that's a problem. That's like, it's not complicated. Everybody out there watching on their couch knows what happens. The Rams just penetrated and know the Colts play calls were not the most creative ones, but they're just not winning up front. That's really the takeaway. Yeah. And we're not seeing Jonathan Taylor break out. We're not seeing Naheem Hines do a whole lot. Michael Pittman had a fantastic day yesterday. We're not seeing what Carson Wentz can do. Everything goes back to one thing on offense. Yeah. They can't block. They cannot win up front. And 18 pressures in week one, 17 pressures yesterday. I mean, the engine behind this offense is always going to be that offensive line. And I think they'll get there with Fisher getting back and Braden Smith getting back. But so far, that's that's the singular thing I've taken away from this 0-2 start. The defense has been really schizophrenic and up and down. That's not to be ignored. But right now, that's for me the biggest surprise is is how they cannot win up front. That's supposed to be their trademark. You know, it, it, it's interesting. People might say this is, you know, an unfair defense of the coach, but or coaching. But here's what I would say: on some level, I don't think I blame Frank Reich and, Mar- and Marcus Brady for doubling down on their offensive line when they've literally done that for four years. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To to like to great success. They have done that. That that has been their bread and butter. When in doubt, what do the Colts do? They line up and they punch you in the mouth and they go get two yards, right? I mean, that's why they've been one of the best fourth down teams in the league because, and that's why he goes for it so often half the time because he knows, all right, I'm going to put it on those guys' shoulders and they're going to get me my two yards. And that has been wildly successful. So now you come into 2021 and you're thinking, okay, it's business as usual. And all of a sudden the results aren't there. I understand why they're they're probably just as surprised as you are as a fan. And I don't know that I have the answers as to why it's happening or how they should handle it. Should they do something else? But at the same time, this offense is entirely built around the success of that offensive line, as is every offense on some level. But more than the quarterbacks or the wide receivers or anything else, this unit is built around the success and the reliability of that offensive line. And if you don't have that, now all of a sudden you have completely lost your identity as an offense. And that is that does coaching play a role in that? Yes. Is it entirely the fault of coaching? No. I mean, there's there's got to be performance at some point, especially when the team relies on the unit that much. Now, there's plenty to talk about on defense, as you said, and I want to touch on that real quick. The coverage failures are just absolutely abysmal right now. I mean, it's not the yards they're giving up. It's the easy yards they're giving up. Yeah. You know, and they're... It's, it's worse on tape. It's worse yeah, when you watch it on tape. I agree. Too many wide open guys. It You know, two weeks in a row, there's been one receiver who's just having a field day and not having to work for it. And that's just not okay, man. You know, last week it was Tyler Lockett. This week, Cooper Cup. Uh, guys are going to have career days against this team at this rate. I know Xavier Rhodes is out. It's not enough of an excuse. And Car- TJ Carey, by the way, oh, my God. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. Kari Willis, though, what's his excuse? This guy, we thought this guy was yeah. on the verge of something. He can't nope. cover anybody. Uh, what what the, do they do? How do they turn the page? I don't know. What's the answer on defense? I don't know. Well, you know what Matt Eberflus is going to say is it's alignment, assignment, <laughs> key, and technique. Does he but- say that a lot, Zach? Look, the the thing, the DNA of this defense is is they don't give up the big play, right? You're going to give yeah. up lots of completions, and you're going to give up really good completion percentage, and you're going to keep them in front. And I can understand it gets frustrating at times. We've watched this for years under, you know, Ron Meeks and the old Colts defense. But under Matt Eberflus, they've been exceptional at stopping the run, and they've been very good in the red zone at forcing field goals. That's sort of what you do. Yeah, you give up points, but you don't give up a whole lot of touchdowns. They're doing the opposite this season and that's what's most puzzling is the blown coverages willis has had three where he's just been burned he's given up three touchdowns in two weeks and yeah the interception was nice yesterday but he needs to get better i don't think darius is playing at 100 percent. i'm not sure he's close to 100 no he did make a great play late yesterday to force that field goal but i don't think 53 is playing like himself i've been disappointed with the linebacker play to be honest i thought that group him and okariki specifically we're going to be among the best tandems in the league. And, and you just can't say that is even close right now. Buckner's been good. Quiddy Pay has been kind of invisible two weeks in. He's a rookie. Uh, Muhammad had a great sack yesterday. But they're not dominating up front. But the secondary has just been exposed. And that's really 
the most surprising thing because they were a team that kept you in front of them, that gave you short completions, and that tried to get you off the field on third down. And now you're seeing Cooper Cup run free. I mean, nobody was around him on a couple of those passes yesterday. Coverage bust after coverage bust. I don't understand it. They need to fix this soon because this is a problem. And I really didn't think that defense was going to be an issue to start the season. I really thought it would be more on the offense and Carson Wentz being rusty. That's what's been most surprising is that this defense talked all camp about joining the elite and 40 takeaways. They can't stop anybody right now. You know, what's interesting is with Iberflus in 2018, I actually think I remember a lot of people having uh, a lot of fans having a lot of complaints about, oh, there's, you know, they're too basic. They don't do enough. They're just, you know, they just play cover two. Uh, they don't blitz. They don't. They are right. They didn't do any of that. And you know what? That was probably their best season under Eberflus. So you see where I'm going with this? <laughs> it's like I don't know, man. I think it's time to just take this thing back to basics. And people can complain all they want, but you ain't complaining about the results at the end of the day. If you had 2018 results right now, you'd probably take it from this defense. You would probably take it. I'm not saying they were world beaters, but I thought their performances were were more consistent. Now, granted, they've had two dynamic offenses they've had to play right out of the gate. It, it won't get harder than it's been the last couple of weeks, although they do have Julio Jones and company next week. But be that as it may, they know that they know the Titans that they usually match up well. We'll see how that goes. But my point is this Defense right now, I think they have gone backwards. And and granted, the personnel changes every year, but they're going backwards. And it's it's not a good look. And and I don't know that it's all a matter of scheme, but I will tell you this. There's too many plays where there's confusion. There's too much confusion. And I don't know why that is. This should not be happening in the fourth year of a scheme. That should not be happening. You had a play yesterday where I believe it's Kenny Moore and TJ Carey Line up next to each other against against a two receiver lineup. Uh, they're playing two different coverages, and what ends up happening is Cooper Cup ends up wide open. And I'm not going to blame either guy because I don't know whose fault it was, but they were not playing the same coverage. I can tell you that because they end up basically covering the same guy, and then Cooper Cup ends up wide open. So, and and the route combination is a factor. And Sean McVay is maybe the best in the business. Okay, that guy is the real deal. Let's just give him his due. But damn it, you can't have guys wide open, man. I'm sorry. This is the NFL. How many times did it happen against Seattle? Two wins. Miscommunication. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there's there's something going on. These guys are not on the same page. And it is inexplicable. As I said, four years in, you've been playing this scheme for four years, and or this is the fourth year, and these guys don't know who to cover. What are we doing? Like, what is that? You know? And so you had last week against Seattle, you had two touchdowns, I believe, where guys where they were basically busts. Guys were wide open. That can't happen. Just can't happen. So what is happening there? Why is that happening? I, I can't answer that, but I don't know. Maybe as I said, maybe it's time to just go back to basics. You know, look, you can't play cover two all day. These quarterbacks are too good. I understand that. But man, the more complexity they add, the worse they seem to get. That's all I'm telling you. So Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'll just add this one last thing. Darius Leonard is a complete non-factor right now. He, and he's hurt. He's, he's, he's clearly hurt. It's not an excuse. These are just my eyes telling me what I see. And and what is the, the three positions on this defense yeah. that are so vital? It, it always starts here. It starts with Buckner and Leonard and Kenny Moore, the nickel, yep. the will, and the three-tech. And when one of those guys is not at 100%, and then probably not playing well either. You don't have the same. You don't have the same juice. You don't have the same explosiveness. This is a defense that's built to give you completions and then force you into a mistake and force the ball yeah. right out. Right, take a take, take a turnover, and they're just. They're, I mean, they're. I can't even characterize this defense because they had some great drives yesterday, but there were drives when they didn't even look like they were on the field. Yeah, and they made Matthew Stafford. I mean, it was so easy. And that's that's just that's a mix of surprising and disappointing because I didn't see it coming. Yeah, and at the end of the day, the other thing is too. Like, this goes back to to Chris Ballard and some of the decisions. 
You know, they, I'm not suggesting they should have re-signed Justin Houston. I mean, I get it. You had to, at some point, you got to see what you have. They have all these young pass rushers. They have to see what they have. And I, I don't take any issue with moving on from the, the veteran defensive lineman they parted with, right? Justin Houston, Danico Autry. I thought Danico Autry was a consistent, um, contributor, right? And I don't think anybody would disagree. But again, you're talking about 30 plus year old guys. You got these 20-something-year-old kids on their first contract. They're about to go into free agency at some point. They, you got to know, right? You got to know. So I, I get it. At the same time, it hasn't played. It hasn't panned out. It just hasn't. No. It just no, has gotten, not. You got Ben Bandy who's only seen, I don't know, 10 snaps in the two games in, de- in defense. Kamako Toure hasn't given you anything. Muhammad has been good. Grover Stewart playing cornerback yesterday on that one play <laughs> was good, but yeah. Who knew I, the I answer really... was dropping Grover Stewart into zone coverage? Man, good for him, man. Re- reflexes, but um, better pass coverage yeah, than the I, safeties. <laughs> I'm not. I'm. It just doesn't feel like I. I sh- we should be throwing this on the pass rush or the or the defensive line. It feels like it's a linebacker thing, and then obviously it's a secondary thing. Yeah. And it's not all Xavier Rhodes's absence. It's just not. Um, now he, him returning would help, and I think he'll probably be back this week. We've seen him do more and more in the practice field. But look, I mean, you, you've got some serious injuries right now. You got Carson, you got TY, who could come back in a couple of weeks, but we'll see. Paris Campbell, all of a sudden, with an abdomen. Oh, we didn't even out talk yesterday. about him, yes. D- don't tell me that they did, they couldn't have used him yesterday against that team. And, and Darius is not playing at 100%. Braden Smith's a big one on the offensive line, and then Xavier Rhodes. I mean, that's. Those are like six of your best 15 players right there. And that's, and that's hurting them, especially on the line. Yeah, so anyway, that's your bright and sunny Colts update. I don't know. I don't know what else to tell you. That's what it is. Uh, I don't know. I, I will say this. I, I thought they did one thing yesterday that I talked about a lot last week and that, that actually did come true. They showed up. They showed up and they fought, and I thought they did some things that, that were not evident in week one. Because I thought week one was just an absolute piss-poor effort. I just didn't feel like they showed up. They didn't seem invested. They seemed disinterested. I I thought it was embarrassing, completely, utterly embarrassing, and they should have been humiliated for it. That wasn't what we saw on Sunday this week. This was a game where they got beat. They got physically beat in some cases on that offensive line, but this was not a game where they were disinterested and, and didn't bother showing up. They showed up and against a, a team that could easily be in the Super Bowl. Let's be clear. That team, yeah. I, I mean, I'd put money on that team to win the Super Bowl. I don't know how much, but I'd put some money on them. And and they could have won. They could have won. Could have won with Carson running for his life. I really think if they would have had a chance in the fourth quarter, down three, I I would have liked their chances. I felt like they it had some momentum, fun. and I think Carson Carson said the same thing. And well, you know, here's the caveat: if they would have protected him, but. <laughs> Um, I liked the fight a little bit more than Seattle, but there were so many schematic issues and so much bad football in terms of like time and situation that that they're going to have to swallow today, and it's going to be a it's going to be a rough film session, yeah. especially for that offensive line. Yeah. So look, I mean, they they might have played well enough to beat a team that didn't have Aaron Donald on Sunday, but you weren't going to beat that team with that guy with that effort up front. That was just not going to happen. So um, that's the takeaway. So we'll see. I mean, I I don't think this team is – I don't think you throw this team away just yet. I mean, I don't think we're there yet. I mean, look, fans are very reactionary. I get that. And and I get you got a lot of emotion. And if you're a season ticket holder, you got a lot of money invested. I, I get it, man. You know what? Throw your tomatoes. It's fine. <laughs> okay? Boo. Do whatever you want. That's fine. I, I think all we can do is tell you it's week two. And there's a lot. There's 15 freaking games left, and and we'll see what the injury situation is. It could get better. We'll see. But at the same time, uh, they got a lot to work on. A lot. I always thought if they came out of this stretch two and three, the first five mm-hmm. were against teams that all won ten or more last year. If they come out two and three, and one of those wins is against Tennessee, they're not in a bad spot at all because the schedule does ease up. And if Carson could play on Sunday, that's a huge if. You know, I I still think the Colts can beat the Texans, the Titans in Nashville any year. They they've done it so many freaking times. We covered so many wins down there with so many different quarterbacks. I always believe they have a chance down there. Miami is you know coming off getting rolled yesterday by Buffalo. Tua is out. You're playing Jacoby Brissett. If you can't beat the Dolphins, then 
then what are you doing? Yeah. Um, 35. Baltimore had a really nice win last night in Kansas City. So you got the Lamar show coming in week five. But if you come out of this two and three, I feel like you're not in a terrible spot. Colts fans remember what happened in 18 when they got hot late. And this team has climbed back from slow starts every year we've been on the beat. So um, all is not lost, but you got to start doing the things you know how to do well much better. And, and like Quentin said yesterday, we need to get back to playing like the Indianapolis Colts. I don't know what the Indianapolis Colts are right now because they can't block anyone and they can't consistently play on defense. So we'll find out. But everything right now centers on Carson Wentz's ankle. I will tell you one last thing before we go. Uh you know, we, we cover training camp every year and, you know, people kind of roll their eyes like, all right, it's just practice. Who cares? Let me tell you something that this season, in my estimation, has definitely reinforced. You know what's important? Training camp. Yes. Damn it. Training camp matters. Don't ever let anybody tell you it doesn't matter. It, I don't, it doesn't matter in terms of who's performing well or better or whatever, because that's all subjective. What does matter is that you are out there. You know who wasn't out there? Darius Leonard. Because he was hurt. You know what? He's still hurt. You know who wasn't out there? Ryan Kelly. And you know what? He's not playing that well. You know what I mean? I could go on and on, right? I mean, I think it matters at the end of the day. And look, I think that's, there's a reason you spend those six weeks getting ready for the season. At the end of the day, there is a reason. So everything matters is the bottom line. Everything matters. Now, training camp, it all matters. So... You know what matters? Next week. <laughs> so we'll be back then to wrap this up. They don't up. need to be 1% better. They need to be about 15% better. A lot. No question. No question. All right. So that's your story. And uh, I want to amend one thing. I've gotten some questions about this on Twitter. I think I might have addressed this on a previous episode. I, I might have said that we would do two episodes a week. Well, we've kind of amended that a little bit, as you might have been able to tell. We're doing the one episode. What we decided is... A couple of things happen. Number one, uh, the week gets kind of backloaded. And by the time we get to the second episode, it's it's late in the week. And we're not getting getting that episode in front of enough of you, right? So that's one issue. You know, we're busy. We've got a lot going on. That's one. And then the other thing is what we'll do is we, we will do second episodes in a week um, as warranted. So like this may be one of those weeks if Carson Wentz is in bad shape, right? <laughs> so we'll see. As news warrants, we'll do the second episode. So just stay tuned. Check your podcast feed. If you see it pop up, don't be surprised. So that's that's the uh, loose schedule, just so FYI. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. I'm Stephen Holder. It was Zach Kiefer, and this is 1%. Percent.